Another great episode of Red Sea Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you hear, please go to our website, redsearadio.org, and donate to our apostolate, or even become a member of our Immaculata Recurring Gift Society and keep us on the air. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Well, welcome, welcome to Red Sea Roundup. Again, I am your host, Pam Marvin, and I am seated high atop St. Mary's Catholic Center here in Bryan College Station on a beautiful day as we overlook the new building and construction of the church there. It's just incredible. You can check out our Instagram with Red Sea Radio and see a lot of that, too. It's like beautiful views from here. It's really cool that we have the opportunity to watch it just really progress and and take in, but enough about that. In in studio with me with me this morning is Sean Chapman. Welcome, Sean. Thank you. It's so good Thanks to have me. you. Yes, Yay. for sure. So as I was really thinking about um, what show I wanted to do in May, certainly my mind turned to the Blessed Mother. I always like to to really get somebody for for in, in October as well. So for May and October. And then June for Sacred Heart. So if you know anybody that's a Sacred Heart like aficionado, let me know because I would love to have them on as well. Um, but you, however, are getting to be a little aficionado on the Blessed Mother, I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's like taking that in all humility. Why do I say that? Well, let me give you a little background. Sean is a writer and a discalced secular Carmelite, mother of two young adult daughters, an enthusiastic grandmother of three small children. She is the Catholic columnist for the Bryan College Station Eagle and a caregiver. She likes hanging out with friends, reading, and cooking awesome vegan food. Awesome. And she wrote, and I believe this sprung from your column, Come to Mary's House, Spending Time with Our Blessed Mother by Sean Chapman. And it is, the publisher was Our Sunday Visitor. And how can we get a hold of these books if we want them, Sean? Um, it's kind of weird, but they're on um, Barnes & Noble, Target Books, Google Books, Amazon, um, anywhere you would buy a Catholic book. And of course, the Our Sunday Visitor bookstore. Yeah. yeah. Are you shocked as you're sitting there saying all that? It's Can you been really here. <laughs> yeah. It's been really weird seeing my book um, places. Yeah. Well, I want to take our listeners back to when, I mean, I, I recall, I've told you this before, but I recall the first time I like knew who you were. And that was when we, our uh, young adult daughters were small little baby children at we went to mass together over at Thomas Aquinas mm -hmm. and that was when you were married to your first husband right yeah yeah and unfortunately Sean's been a widow twice over so my condolences on that um, thank you but you can tell and and as I sit here in her presence uh, my brothers and sisters you know, the Lord knows what he's doing. And when he provides so much sorrow, he also provides so much grace. 
which I do feel that the Shauna has like has it in spades as I sit next to her. So I'm sure I'm, she's like, Oh, rolling her eyes. Yeah, a little tell bit. my kids that <laughs> kids don't count. We cannot, <laughs> they'll tell you, <laughs> we can't be a prophet in our own land, right? It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. This is true. Yes. I, I never thought about it like that. <laughs> no, it just won't happen. You know, I have the cats like me. Yeah. See, yeah. yeah. No, my kids love me. They're great. Oh, that's They're great. such good girls. Yeah. So we met that long ago. And then our, um, it was your oldest daughter and my second daughter that went to school for a short time over at St. Joseph's School there in Bryan. And I think that's when I got to know her and you. It is Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my our Marys, your mm-hmm. Mary and my Mary. So we both have a daughter named after the Blessed Mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that real purposefully purposeful yes. for you? Um, yes. We named her after the visitation and um, Mary Elizabeth. Oh, wow. That's so beautiful. No, I... I Definitely named my Mary after um, the Blessed Mother. And I had a moment when I, I, I guess after my first daughter was born, and it was a little while later when I started to think about, it, like, I'd like to have another daughter. And it was like, if you have a second daughter, her name will be Mary, and it'll be Mary Catherine. Mm. Yeah. Catherine means pure. Ah, yes. And she is 38 weeks pregnant. So any prayers we want to shout her away would be really wonderful. She's unable to come to her grandmother's funeral, which is mm. very breaking her heart, but she understands her work is at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so pray for her. Say a little prayer. Yeah, God uh, bless her. Yeah. So I want to get to the origins of the book. Okay. This is so fascinating because I asked you, I saw you not too long ago at an event and I was mm-hmm. kind of asking you and you were letting me know how it all came to be because you kind of just fell all into getting to write this book. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Okay. Yeah, pretty much. So tell me. How did it start? Um, I don't know if you remember Joseph White. I do, yes. Yeah. Um, he was writing a book. Um, it's a beautiful book about finding God in our everyday lives, hearing God. And I was so proud of him. And we had gone to see a concert in Houston. And uh, me and my friend Mark and his wife, Anna, and we met and had coffee afterwards. It was a beautiful concert, and we were talking about that. And he was talking about his book and that it was coming out sometime after January. And I was like, wow, this takes all such a long time. And he said, um, you know, I work for our Sunday visitor now. And I was like, oh, really? I hadn't seen them in a long time, but I had been sending him my writing, you know, because he writes too, and we would send each other things we were working on. And he said, we're going to have to get you to write us a book. And I thought he was kidding. So I, I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know. And then later I asked my friend on the way home, do you think he was serious? And he said, I was sitting right there, Sean. I think he was serious. And then um, later he emailed me. So like, why don't you send me some of the stuff? You seem to write about the Blessed Mother a lot. Why don't you send me some of those? So I sent him a couple things. And he showed them to the acquisitions editor. And she said, yeah, definitely want to talk to her. Wow. Which was totally freaked me out. But um, (laughs) I thought, okay, this might be something God wants me to do. So I shouldn't be chicken. Not to insult all the nice chickens I know. But um, so she called me and kind of interviewed me, you know. And then over the next seven months or so, I sent her more things. We talked a little more. I had to fill out a lot of forms about what kind of Catholic I was and like, who's my priest and I had to have like a 
some recommendations and things like that. They had to like, you know, check on me. You were vetted. You were vetted. I was vetted. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, so then I sort of fleshed out an idea of how, when she and I were talking about how we could bring my ideas about the blessed mother together, how could we unify that theme? So I told her, and it's funny, this just popped into my head and I was talking to her. I was so nervous. I was like, well, we could make it a rosary. She goes, no, nah, we have enough of those. And <laughs> yeah, okay. I had all these different ideas and she was like, nah. And I was like, gosh, I'm bombing this, you know. But um, this conversation I had like 20 years before, maybe more, popped into my head. And it was when I ran into my friend Nan here at St. Mary's. And I had a special place I like to sit and write or think about things or pray And it was in front of the Blessed Mother, in front of the last pew. And I would sit on the floor with my stuff, you know, with my um, Liturgy of the Hours and my Bible and my notebook. And now we have all that in our phone, don't we? But I had my backpack and I would set out everything and pray. And one day I came in and Nan was sitting in that spot. Mm. And I said, hey, Nan. And I knew she'd been going through a hard time lately. You know, things were kind of difficult for her. So I said, how have you been doing? And she said, I've been spending a lot of time at Mary's house, you know. And she really talks like that. <laughs> Helping her in her garden, you know, having tea. It's been good. It's been good. Oh, what a beautiful imagery. I know. Yeah. And so I I told the acquisitions editor about that. And she goes, oh, I love that. I love that so much. And I said, yeah, you know, that, that kind of, to me, that's a metaphor for my Marian spirituality. Because I believe in her as a real person and as a friend and as a sister, as well as a mother and a queen, you know, she's all that. Mm. But I think that what Nan was saying was a beautiful example of an intimate relationship with Mary, a friendship, a friendship. Mm -hmm. And you know how comfortable most of us feel in our mother's house. It interests me that, there are replicas of Our Lady's house all over the world, like at Walsingham, right? And um, there's the one in Italy. What town is that where the Crusaders brought back her home, her home in Nazareth? What is it called again? And um, and then there's the, there's a replica of it in Nazareth that you can go see. We want to go. And there's the one in Ephesus where we think John took Our Lady to live with him. And the Anne Catherine Emirate um, envisioned, and then they uh, people went and dug around and found the remains of it. So now there's a little house there. It just captivates me. Also, the fact that there's a spring that comes out of the floor in that house. Mm. There's always a, there seems so often to be a spring associated with Mary. You know. Yes. Anyway, so I decided to craft the book around. This idea of, and it's a very Teresian idea too. Teresa of Avila's main way to Jesus was through his sacred humanity. And we don't say that about Mary's sacred humanity because she was 100% human. And so I like to call it her perfect, pure humanity. And to center that around the book around, you know, teachings about that we have about Mary that sometimes make people feel far from her, but it doesn't actually, it should make us feel closer to her. 
her immaculate heart, for instance. Mm. We love the immaculate heart. We have pictures of it in our house. It's pretty. You know, we love it. It's a distinctive symbol of our Catholicism. Anybody that sees that, they know who we are, right? Exactly. Um, so thinking about that and about all the beautiful art of Mary, you know, all these sparkly pictures, these beautiful paintings from the Renaissance where she's got these tiny feet and these little hands and she's so, she looks so distant. Um, those are great. And I love them all. I love them all. And I love Mary crowned with stars. I love all that. And she is all that. But at the same time, she's our friend and she's our sister. And like my grandmother, when we would go see her in Corpus Christi, we'd be bouncing around in the car because we knew we were about to see her and she would throw the, the screen door open and it would slam on the side of the house and she'd scream like, my babies, with all the dogs barking. And Aww. my grandfather standing in the background kind of shy, you know. And we would just rush into her arms and she'd squeeze us too tight, you know. She was so excited and we'd be screaming and happy and jumping around. Mary wants us to come. And she doesn't want us to be looking up at her from afar. She wants us right there at her kitchen table. Mm. She wants to hang out with us. She wants us to tell her everything, just like we would a sister. You know, you tell your sister everything. You fold laundry at her house. When you go to your sister's house, you might start washing her dishes with her. And that's how Mary is. You just have to watch out, though, because if you start hanging out at Mary's house, she start hanging out at yours. So, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to invite that in. I'm really You might find that. all your papers scattered and the windows open yeah. to the Holy Spirit and the carpets pulled up and all those boring pieces of mail just kind of flying around. Yeah. So you don't need them. How, how did you start to structure the book, though? Like, like I really want to give a sense to the audience um, different ways that people can come to Mary. Like mm -hmm. um, my personal experience was as a young mother mm -hmm. um, and I was a convert. So I hadn't, I was like, I don't know who this Mary lady is, but I want to, I had a desire to mm -hmm. really know who she is. Mm -hmm. And she was, I would be like, I don't know what to do with my crying baby or whatever mm -hmm. the situation was. And all of a sudden, I would ask her and an idea would pop in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I always attributed that to her. And that's where my relationship with her began mm -hmm. and trying to stay very faithful to my rosary and just contemplating her part mm -hmm. um, in all of Jesus' life through the rosary. But I want to hear some more as like precious moments about, let's, let's, let me frame it for you. So if there's some listeners today that like were like me as a young convert, I don't know much about Mary. Mm -hmm. Um, but I desire to draw closer to her, what would you say was a good place to start? Like um, practical tips. Practical tips. Okay. Um, I don't know. I never had a problem with her. She was my draw. Um, I had a problem with Jesus. He freaked me out. I had just so many negative experiences with Christians. Um, so what I did with Jesus applies to Mary. In Carmel, we have a saying, as with Jesus, so with Mary, you know, in all the appropriate ways. So what I did was um, I used my imagination. And I had just, when I was about 20, and I'm surprised I read this at that time because it's, it's pretty dry stuff, actually. <laughs> but I read a book by Mar Morton T. Kelsey about 
imaginative prayer. This really interested me. I never met or talked to any Christians who had like a contemplative practice of any kind. I didn't know we had that until some of the reading I did, like The Way of St. Francis by Father Murray Bodo. Um, That introduced me to new depths in Christianity. I didn't know we're there. I was just learning to pray vocal prayers. I really, and to talk to God a little bit and like, okay, I don't believe in you, but I'm told that I should just start trying to talk to you. So I was pretty much, you know, in preschool, but what helped me besides, you know, the, the normal things of reading the gospel, consulting learned people and, you know, reading reflections on the gospel and listening to Catholic radio might kind of throw that in. Yeah. I didn't know about that then. So (laughs) I don't think we were around. I'm about books. So I started reading books and um, I would recommend learning your Marian theology first. Um, But to, because that's important. You, you want to know who she is rightly, you know, you don't want to just make up stuff. Right. But if you notice when Mary appears to different people, she looks different. She looks like them. Mm-hmm. Look at Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, she looked like an indigenous maiden, right? And dressed like that and had right. the same skin. And then when she's in Fatima, she looks like, you know, a beautiful Portuguese girl. And there are so many ways that she appears and she seems to dress appropriately and look differently and I was thinking that she doesn't mind how our imagination sees her although I I've always tried I've tried to imagine her without her veil and she doesn't let me but I use my imagination to make Jesus look like the people I was used to my parents were hippies I grew up in the 70s and all the people we hung out with were these comfortable guys with you know old jeans and a a faded blue button-up shirt and sandals and a big smile, and which was very non-threatening to me, hair down to their waist or whatever. And my father looked like that. Um, that's just what people looked like to me who were nice to me. So I imagine Jesus like that. He was just this one of the hippie guys. that, And he, he would come and be like, hey, want a sandwich? You know, and pull one out. It was his jeans pocket or something yeah. like that. <laughs> That was very non-threatening to me. But at the same time, I was building knowledge by reading the gospel. And I got this big book of Christian art and because I love art. And I read all the footnotes, all the history of it and the descriptions. And that helped me flesh out what I was reading in the gospel. I was so unfamiliar with it. I was reading the gospel thinking, wow, what happens next? I didn't know. I mean, I knew that Jesus was crucified and I knew about the resurrection because, you know, it got talked to me, it got said to me a lot. Um, but I didn't, I, you know, I didn't really have a very filled out understanding of his teaching or anything. And so um, if you try that with Mary, but only imagine lightly because you don't want to have your mind doing too much. You want her to fill out any details what you really want is a heart to heart with Mary. Okay. You don't want it to be all about this mental exercise. Okay. Right. So and you're saying you, you are suggesting some imaginative prayer. Like mm-hmm. let's say you have a prayer chair. Like I've got a prayer chair, you know, mm-hmm. well, next to my bed where I say my prayers in the morning mm-hmm. and 
journal, whatever. But while I'm sitting there, just kind of like, okay, mother, I'm going to just invite you into this moment just to be present with me as mm-hmm. I, as I pray to your son, as I journal or whatever. Would mm-hmm. you say that's like, yeah, um, yeah, something imagine like that. Her there. What I did in the book was I made the come to Mary's house part after each reflection be kind of an invitation to come sit with Mary to come into her house and not imagine it too, in too much detail, but maybe just feel what the floor feels like, um, maybe what it smells like, maybe a spice in her kitchen, mm. and just some minor little details, little details about her. What does she look like? You know, how do her hands feel when she reaches out to you? You know, what helped me a lot was reading about the historical Mary and the conditions of her actual life. Mm. That that she worked 10 hours of hard labor a day and that she would have lived in a kind of a, a family compound with a big plaza, like a big uh, courtyard in the middle. And all of the family would have lived in the same area and she would have been, the kids would have been all in each other's houses and running around and a neighbor might come by and ask for some dates or something. It helped me to know what she would have eaten, like lentils and fava beans, and she would have cooked. And I I like looking up on YouTube and seeing demonstrations about how people would have cooked in Jesus's time. And yeah, I really enjoyed that because it gave me a sense of her reality. Mary is a real person and she's accessible and she's friendly and she responds to any approach we want to make to her. You can come as you are with Mary. She's not going to judge you. This is part of having an immaculate heart because John Paul II said that Adam and Eve before the fall, when they looked at each other, they saw the, the full truth of the other. They could see the other person's inner truth. Mm. They didn't just see their body like mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. This is part of the fall. And so when Mary looks at us, she sees our inner truth because she's the new Eve and she's, she has an immaculate heart. So she just doesn't, she doesn't just see what we've done in our lives. She doesn't no, see She sees that. how Jesus original or the, you know, she cr- sees, created. She sees that. With, before original sin. Yeah. And she also sees the truth of us, but she's not going to judge us. She only sees us with love and non-judgment. It's not that she thinks you should go around and do bad things, but when she's looking at you, she's just, she's just loving you. And I don't know if this is correct or not, but I read somewhere that the ancient Egyptian word for love is like M-R-I, like that, Emri, like that, and that it may be that Mary's name, Miriam, is a form of that is a Hebrew form of that. It means love. And Mm. so that totally resonates with me. I did not put that in the book because I don't know if it's right. I couldn't find any corroboration, but I really like the idea. If you can approach Mary comfortably as yourself, she knows everything. There's nothing you could say that could surprise her. She already knows. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And so try to come into Mary's house and see what she's doing. Whatever she's doing, take it up with her. If she's cooking... Help her cook. If she's gardening, help her garden. If she's out in the fields, help her, you know, gather brush Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. walk behind the plow, scattering seed, whatever it is. 
just take That's it up beautiful. with Mary. Yeah. And just let your imagination go and don't try to put too much effort into it, you know, because eventually you won't need that. Yeah. At some point, God takes away all that where you don't pray with, there's no effort to prayer. And that's called infused contemplation, but that's getting all, all <laughs> but it's, it's beyond the scope of the book really. But even if you're more advanced in prayer, you could use these little um, pictures of Mary that I put at the end of each reflection. Okay. You could use those as kind of a, a launch pad for prayer or as a little frame to just set you in her presence. You don't have to like go on imaginatively Another thing I suggest, if you have trouble with distractions with these, this imaginative prayer, try journaling it. You know, set the My scene right mm-hmm. about her house. What does it look like to you? It really doesn't matter. It can be the house you grew up in. You know, for me, my grandmother's backyard is, you know, when I was in, you know, when you're in labor and they say, oh, think of your, your safe place. You're the most beautiful place. Tranquil. Yeah. It's my grandmother's backyard with her clothes hanging on the line Aww. and that salty wind, you Aww. know, and all the orange tree and the oleanders. And I feel that's my safe mm. place. You know, other people live there now and I hope they like it, mm. you know, mm-hmm. but that's what I imagine. So sometimes I've met Mary there and I love to sit down with my friends and have coffee and yeah. she'll catch you up on everything Jesus been doing or she'll listen to you. She'll she'll sew your worries into the new cloak she's making it. I'm like, you know, just imagine her that way. And she'll teach you how to pray. She is the mother of contemplatives. Yeah, That's how Carmelites think of her. She's our sister and the mother of all contemplatives because she pondered in her heart. Yes. That is the the best devotion Mm -hmm. to Mary is to meditate in the heart and Mm -hmm. ponder the word of God. Right. I, I, I'm just, this is a personal thing, but I think it, it I don't know, it is that's where the essence of um, the Lord is, Jesus and Mary both residing in our heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you know that it doesn't burn, like when someone's cremated, it doesn't burn? Hmm. The heart stays intact. Joan of Arc's heart wouldn't burn either. They had to throw it in the river. Oh, goodness. Because they, it would not burn. Yeah. Yeah. So that just to me is just another kind of wink from God about wow, how special really cool. I like that. the heart is. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has such a beautiful and immaculate heart. One of the best books I ever read was the Raphael Brown. Oh, yeah. uh, Mary is Seen by the Mystics. Mm-hmm. Incredible. So he took three different saints from three different centuries. Mm-hmm. And wherever their writings came right into line with one another. And he wrote it, the history, her, her story, oh, that's really neat. her biography. Amazing. I'll have to read that. The Nativity, the Nativity was just a phenomenal chapter. Mm. Just talking about the Nativity and what she experienced was mm. incredible. I want to read that again. It was so good. Right after I read Mary's House. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. Of course. I think my favorite book I've read about Mary, everyone tells me to read Carol Hauslander, but I've been a bad person and I haven't done it yet. But my favorite book about Mary is by Kiara Lubick. Oh, yeah. Founder of Focolare. Mm-hmm. The Transparency of Mary, I think. The Transparency. Mary, the Transparency of God or something like that. I don't know that one. I can't believe I can't think of it, but that's my favorite Marian book. I did not know, like I've read Kiara Lubick quite a bit. I didn't really know how mystical she was. Oh. I mean, she had a very deep contemplative spirituality, which shouldn't have surprised me, you know. Right. Um. She even worked in some Teresa of Avila into it. And, you know, you said Mm -hmm. you said that they're in our hearts. And that's true. That is something else. That is a very that's a basis of Carmelite spirituality. And Teresa taught us that 
the place that we can find Jesus is within us. That God is within us. This is such a real thing that that is exactly how we're going to rise from the dead. Through St. Paul says, through Christ's spirit living in us. This is how it's going to happen. So that is a very real thing. It's not just a nice idea. And so the way to find union with God is to go within ourselves where his throne sits. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's her idea of the interior castle. Right. And and one of the things this is like, I'm going to simplify it so much for this is just the Pam, you know, real simplistic. I'm more on the Faustina level, you know, just real simplistic is that accessible. Um, well, when, when imagining the heart, mm-hmm. um, I'm all about human virtue too, like really trying to, to reduce, um, sin in your life by. Yeah. Cut that out. Yes. Cut that so that stuff out. It has, that's where it resides though. Those ugly, that ugliness can reside in your heart as well. Mm-hmm. And there's no room for Christ there. If you still have a bunch of that going on, hanging on. So with increasing in virtue, you start to reduce the amount of sin in that heart where your heart can become a beautiful throne of the Lord, where your heart wants to be just have him consume all of it. Mm-hmm. And it, and in turn start to consume every bit of you. She says, uh, St. Teresa calls that like, there's a moat outside the castle with all these monsters and stuff that try to stop you from going inward. And as you proceed through the rooms in the castle, the light from God shines brighter and brighter. And the castle is crystalline but it has a lot of soot on it from our sins. Mm. But the more that we go inward and prayer itself, besides obviously living a sacramental life, prayer itself purifies our hearts. Absolutely. Mm. Enter into the deep recesses of your heart where the Lord Jesus truly dwells. That's a quote from St. Thomas Villanova, I think. Beautiful. I I put it in the book. I don't know. It's so good. Mm. Yeah. You know, one of the things when I think about my um, journey with Mary is wanting to draw closer to Jesus. So I don't know about you, but I think I speak for a lot of people when we say we all go through these periods periods of consolation and desolation. Sometimes we feel very close to the Lord and things are bright and cheery and wonderful. But then there's times where we, we feel so far away. We feel very desolate, dry in prayer and everything. And Sean, I don't know about you, but this is the time. And this is what part of um, Mary's purpose is to bring us back closer to him. So when I'm feeling like that, she's my go-to. But I'm going to start doing more imaginative prayer with her. Because I literally, the one image I have of myself when I'm feeling that way is, do you remember how like the little kids with their dads, they would grab a hold of his his foot and they'd pull him across the, uh, the living room or something like that as they're playing. I imagine that of me with mother. Oh, that's so a great one. Like, I love it. I would grab my grab around her one foot, say, "Mother, just drag me closer." And I'd be like so heavy because I had nothing in me. It was only relying on her to drag me closer, like she one yeah. step by step. And she'll do it when you don't. Ex- you're not even asking her. Oh. Like my experience is that she's just sneaky and she'll sneak up on you. And before you know it, you can't live without him. That's how it happened to me. Mm, Tell me more about that. Okay. Um, When I was about 19, my family was in the midst of a pretty big crisis. Um, My brother had to go to rehab. He was 16. They said that if we had brought him in even two weeks later, it would have been too late. He would have had brain damage or he might have died in that period. So 
uh, we were, we were really uh, not in a good place emotionally. And they also told us at the rehab places if that we didn't start getting a recovery as a family, as far as, you know, going to 12 step stuff and everything to learn more about what he was going through and all that, that he didn't have a chance. So we all started working on this. <laughs> and I, I really didn't like it because in the 12 steps, there's all this God stuff. First, I was really offended. I was like, this is just a bunch of brainwashing. I was mad at my parents. How could you send him to a place that's like religious and stuff? And they said, it's not. It's not supposed to be religious. But um, my brain needed washing. And so I tried to I tried to just do what they said because I was going to save my brother. He was the most important person in the world to me. And so I was trying to, as the steps say, seek a God of my understanding. OK, how can I think of God in a way I can deal with? And happily, as the big book says, that's the book of AA. God does not make too hard a terms with those who approach him with Good goodwill, you know, I don't have to do it perfectly. I don't have to know the, the Our Father the right way. You know, I was trying to learn it, but I hadn't learned it. So I was just kind of um, exploring. I didn't want anything to do with any organized religion or any church whatsoever because of, you know, some experiences growing up, like people not letting their kids play with us because we weren't a Christian family, things like that, and stuff people said to me or about my parents to me that were awful. So, um, somehow I walked into St. Mary's, um, you know, I'm 55 now. So this is a long time ago. I walked into St. Mary's just out of curiosity. What do these Catholics have in there? You know? And I walked around and grateful no one was there. And, you know, all my life I had been drawn to statues of Mary, pictures of Mary, I just liked that, you know, and um, I didn't know why or anything, but I came in and I looked around and it was kind of quiet. And all of a sudden I just felt flooded with Mary's love, just mm. flooded. And as I told my mom afterwards, I could not have made up this kind of love mom. And I knew God was there. I was totally not ready to become Catholic or anything. That was out of the question. Not even, didn't even occur to me, but I did experience that. And then that summer I started dating this boy who was Catholic and I was really irritated that he said Roman Catholic. Also, he was in the core and there was no way <laughs> I was going to date a core guy. Oh, I, I said the same thing, Sean. I tried to scare him off by suggesting an activity for a date that I usually did or that I did like to do. I said, hey, let's have a picnic in the cemetery. And he goes, oh, wow. Yay. Do you have any of those a really old one, like a, an old Catholic cemetery with lots of statuary and stuff? And I was like, um, yeah. But I was irritated when it turned out, you know, we loved each other and we ended up married and had two children. But that was another thing that brought me in mm -hmm. was him. But I was really irritated when he said, I said, what religion are you? And he said, Roman Catholic. And I told my mom later, did he have to say Roman Catholic? I don't know if I can date a Catholic guy. I don't think I can deal with this. He's in the core and he's Roman Catholic. You know, <laughs> this is too much. 
And then he went home the next summer and um, he went home the next summer and I was alone and I found myself at mass at St. Anthony's every day. They had one at seven. They had a mass at seven or something every night. And afterward, they did a novena to Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, which sounded very strange to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I had no idea what they were doing. But I found myself there every day. And then I would go outside and sometimes I would cry and I would leave in the middle of the mass. Like, I don't belong with these people. I don't understand what's going on. Why am I here? And all this. And sometimes I was offended, you know, by stuff the priest said. I don't remember what about now, but sometimes I got upset and I just didn't understand what was happening, you know. Um, and my husband-to-be was wisely like, I would argue with him all the time about Catholic stuff. And he would just smile. He didn't, he didn't get mad. He didn't get offended. He just smiled and was like, hmm, okay, that's it. <laughs> or I would ask him, why do you people have to go to mass every Sunday? Like, why? And he's like, I just figure it's one good thing I can do for the world every week. And I was like, how does that do anybody any good? I didn't understand, <laughs> you know? It's so funny, the dumb things I said to him. And now I even tried the, why do you guys like, Worship Mary. I tried that one. That's so boring. I should have come up with something more original, but I didn't know. And he says, I just feel like loving Mary is loving Jesus. And I was like, but you guys are so weird. Why are you obsessed with all this gore? Mm. And I didn't understand the crucifixion statues right, and stuff. Right. But Mary is just really sneaky. And pretty soon... Um, Father John Malinowski said to me after Mass, like, well, you've been coming to Mass for two years every day. <laughs> what are you going to do? What would you like to do? Because I would ask him stuff, too, like, why was this book banned from the Bible? You know, why didn't this get in the Bible and stuff? And he just was like, OK. He, he said something really wise to me. Like, if something you read brings you closer to Christ, go with it. If it doesn't, let it go. And that was such a smart thing to say to my rebellious self because, you know, immediately I would have been like, ooh, you know, why can't, you know, whatever. Why, what do you mean it's not proper? It's not church teaching or whatever. That would have bugged me then, you know. To me, the word obedience was like an obscene word, the way I grew up. <laughs> I, I think today's day and times still well, is. you know, that is the, actually the way my parents taught me to think for myself and investigate for myself. That's what. That's what brought me here. And so, and I'm really glad they taught me that. And it was a good thing. And what I think about obedience now, it's still not my favorite word, but what I think about it now is it's just a responsiveness of love. You know, I think of the Annunciation, not as Mary submitting to something, but I imagine her like a daughter who's jumps into her father's arms like, yes, or like, Buzz Aldrin, let's light this candle, you know, let's go, let's do it. That's how I think of it. And when you love, the most important thing in the world to you is you would never want to displease or make that person sad or disappoint them in any way. And that's what that is. It's, it's not about this arbitrary, you have to do this stuff and be obedient. Sit, dog. It's not like that. It's, it's just, it's love. No, yeah, I often say that about the Ten Commandments, is mm -hmm. that the Lord knew, knows the human heart so well, and he says, in order for you to flourish 
and be the best you can be. Stay within this parameter. You stay in this yard, the commandments, Mm -hmm. you're going to be safe and happy. And the narrower the field, the deeper the dig sometimes. I mean, they're not, you could look at it like that limits my life or limits my creativity or, you know, that messes up everything. But I found that, you know, boundaries, God has them too. And there are fences to put love in. And there's so much more. It's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. There is so much more for me here than anywhere else. And when I'm going up to communion, I still think I can't believe this is me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Can you believe we're almost done? We're at the two minute mark now. We got to wrap it up. Yeah. So, so I am going to encourage everyone to go look for, come to Mary's house, spending time with our blessed mother. And I'm also going to really encourage people to go into some imaginative prayer with the Blessed Mother to enter into her home or heart or just hold on to her foot as she drags you nearer to Jesus. However, however it works for you to draw closer to her that pleases the Lord so much. And tell us again, uh, those places that we can find your book. Um, Talk to the manager at our local Barnes and Noble. He said that they already had some ordered, so it should be there. If it's not, ask. You can also find it on our Sunday Visitor bookstore or on Amazon or on Target Books, Google Books, anywhere you would buy a Catholic book. That's wonderful. I'm so glad um, you took the time to write this book, that the, your conversation with Joseph just worked out that way. And now we have this wonderful tool. And I've got to say that uh, my friends that went to the retreat that you presented the other day at Cedar Break. Yeah, it was my first time. Oh, first they, try. Had, they just had a great time. I'm doing another one, June 29th. June 29th. Is it the same topic, Mary's house? Um, Yes. Uh, it will be at St. Anthony's uh-huh. from 9 to 2, I think. Wonderful. Yeah, details are not finalized, but I believe it's going to yeah. be a bring a lunch bring or get a box lunch. Come on over. I'll have some. The artist, uh, the illustrator of the book has made some T-shirts of some of the beautiful images in the book. Beautiful. And some prints and little things like that. I know. My girlfriend, she had one on when we went to work out the same day. She oh. wore it to work out. It was wonderful. Yeah, her immaculate heart is yeah. one of my favorite. Well, Sean, it is so good to touch base with you and to listen Thanks to for you share your to heart. Oh, Thank I love it. I want you to come on, on so again. Nice. I would okay. love for, to have you back sometime. But until next time, my brothers and sisters... Go and love your neighbor. And Mary. Who <laughs> and